This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. 50267 dollars That is the average starting salary for Praxis graduates. Their average age, 21. Most of them do not have a college degree. Many of them came straight out of high school. All of them wanted more than classrooms and studying and fretting over GPAs and graduating and shooting out resumes hoping one landed somewhere that they didn't absolutely hate. They chose Praxis to get into the real world and work with amazing, fast-growing startups and small businesses right now. Why wait? To learn by doing. To reflect and study and push yourself and have coaching and, and mentoring to improve on what you're doing and then to go back to doing it again. That back and forth process of real world engagement in a business setting and reflecting on it, self-guided curriculum, that's what Praxis is all about. In less than one year, graduating the program starting at an average of $50,267. That's after a paid apprenticeship during the program. See, you get paid to apprentice while you're in the program with these businesses. And when you're done, you get hired on. That is a deal that no other institution can match. You, you can't get that kind of exposure and that kind of net cost of zero experience that leads you to a fulfilling life and career that quickly anywhere else. Go to discoverpraxis.com and join. All right, today on the podcast, I have Kylan Ginger. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Isaac, thanks so much for having me. Love, love practices, love what you're all about, man. So let's just jump in hardcore. What is the first thing you did this morning? Oh, gosh, man, I, I slept in this morning. This is a bad time to ask me because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go through my regular morning routine. Um, yesterday was actually my birthday. So I stayed up pretty late and as a consequence, uh, slept in a bit and uh, pretty much just got out of bed like a zombie with my hoodie on and stuff like that. You know, the first thing I do every morning is I let my dog out of her cage in the garage because she uh, uh, she likes to bark a lot. So we got to kind of keep her quiet in the garage at night. <laughs> I, I let her out and then usually I have a morning routine I go through. But this morning just uh, plopped right down in, uh, at my desk for my first interview. So what is your what's your normal routine? My normal routine is usually, and it's never any in any particular order, but typically I get up somewhere between five or six, and uh, you know I'll do all these things again in no particular order. But I get a cup of coffee, and actually the first thing that I do is I watch what's trending on YouTube. Um, I don't consume a lot of media, but I love to watch the trending section on YouTube because I feel like it gives me the perfect balance of everything interesting that's happening in the world, and like sports and news. And, you know, just pop culture stuff. Um, so I do that. By the time I'm done with that, I'm awake. And and then I usually I have some personal ass uh, uh, like 
affirmations and goals that I read through um, audibly. And I also have a what I call my vision board, which is just um, I, I just have it on Pinterest, actually. And I look through different pictures that I've selected of the kind of lifestyle that I want, essentially, what kind of cars, trucks I eventually want to drive, the kind of house, um, you know, mostly like selfish stuff. But but it all it, it just keeps me aware of of like, you know, this is the kind of lifestyle I want to live, what I want. I have a picture of uh, uh, helicopter skiing because I love to uh, snowboard and eventually I want to I want to do that. And uh, then typically I do some meditation. Um, I, I read a, a chapter or two in a good book and and uh, then I usually get started with my day. That's a good that's a pretty hefty um, set of morning activities. Is that a is that a, a challenge to, to get through all of it every day or do you have it pretty pretty well dialed in? No, you know, as an entrepreneur and owning a few different business every day is kind of different. So I, I don't really accomplish it all again, like I said, in, in a particular order or in a set amount of time. Sometimes it can take me an hour. Um, I like it. I like to have it take a bit longer. Um, I really love the whole process. Sometimes it takes me, um, you know, just a maybe 10, 15 minutes. You know, I'll meditate for like one minute. I'll read like one page in a book. I'll, I'll briefly, uh, you know, say my affirmations and goals out loud. So, so Kylan, you are the host of the successful dropout podcast. And, uh, I know, I know that I know you're a dropout yourself mm-hmm. and I know you're an entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit about your origin story, your backstory, and then what kind of entrepreneurial ventures you have been and are involved in currently. Okay. Well, we, uh, we were just talking about being homeschooled. Um, I was homeschooled, and I really think that that contributed a lot to the kind of mindset I have and and the kind of choices that I've made so far in my life. Um, I have two awesome parents and a mom who who stayed home and taught me everything she knew and then some. Um, I I did go to high school um, to for my let's see my sophomore. And my senior year, which was a great experience, and um, but just just really blessed to, to to have been homeschooled. And we grew up actually in a cabin in the middle of the woods, and uh, so we didn't have access to a lot of um, uh, we didn't really have internet access. I read a lot. I went out and played in the woods for fun, and then I'd come in and homeschool, and I'd, I'd snowboard all the time. Uh, my dad worked from home. So at an early age, I was just really exposed to, and my dad was an entrepreneur at the time. Um, and so at, at an early age, I was really exposed to um, entrepreneurship, keeping myself like busy and entertained, uh, thinking outside of the box, and really being able to control my own schedule. We do extra school on on Monday so that we could ski uh, or snowboard all day Tuesday. And, uh, and then seeing my dad being able to be home all day with, with his kids and come up stairs for lunch and kiss my mom and stuff, just exposed to this kind of lifestyle. Um, from there, uh, let's see after high school, after high school, yeah, I didn't pursue the entrepreneurial, uh, path as, as soon as I would have liked to now looking back. Um, I feel the same way. <laughs> like, yeah, like you said, I feel like I was also kind of a, a late bloomer in that regard. Um, I, I definitely don't regret it, but you know, my first job out of high school, I went right into, actually I worked in, um, ministry for a while as, as the youth pastor at my church. 
Um, and that was a phenomenal experience. It wasn't really entrepreneurial, but I did. I, I got to experience what it's like to kind of lead uh, an organization and create teams. Um, the unique thing that I did is, is I had this vision for the entire youth ministry of, of my church to be run by the youth and, and no adults involved. And I was, yeah, I was 19 at the time, fresh out of high school. Idea. And so I was also, you know, not an adult. And so I created teams of, of students essentially for, uh, media, for music, for outreach, for all this stuff. And I really got that experience at a young age and, and it was great. And we were unique as a youth group. And when new kids would come, they just see all these really responsible, like, uh, 15, 16, 18 year olds running the show and, and helping them out. And, uh, so that was, that was a great experience. And I guess entrepreneurial in, in a way, I, I then got married and left ministry how, and how went old right in when you got married. I was 21 years old. Oh, see, cause that's actually old for a homeschooler. I was, <laughs> I, I was almost 20. So, <laughs> oh, you're serious, man. And yeah, and I, that's, you're absolutely correct. I have other homeschooling friends that got married, I think earlier. Yeah. 19 and or 20. And my parents got married when they were 19 as well. So yeah, that's just kind of culture I grew up in. And, and it was right after I got married, I, I left the ministry and I went and worked and it's stupid because I've, I just, I don't like saying this, but it's what happened. I went and I, I worked as kind of a construction grunt, um, for a, a year after that. And, you know, I guess when I got married, um, two weeks before I got married, I remember I had no job, uh, cause I'd left, left, uh, the, the ministry. I wanted to do something else. I had no job. We had no place to live and about just under, I think a thousand dollars in savings. And so, um, this is then, like an eerily familiar story. I, <laughs> well, I went, the two weeks before we got married, my brother and I had been running this business and we folded up shop and I had no job and <laughs> I had a mortgage cause I had bought a house. I was like oh, 19 geez. and uh, no idea what we were going to do. Really nothing in savings. So sorry. It's, it's just, uh, almost, almost eerie. No, I love it, man. And, and yeah, well, and within those two weeks, you know, we found an apartment um, I got the first job that I could, that I came across, which was from kind of a family friend who owned a construction business. So I did that. And, and, uh, well, the money in our bank account didn't change much, but <laughs> I guess we made some, you know, during the wedding, but, um, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you cashed out learned. on the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's a whole nother story by itself. But, um, <laughs> uh, we, uh, you can't tease us like that. What is, uh, what's the story? How long is this podcast supposed to be? <laughs> you know, 45, 60 minutes range. I'll, I'll briefly go over it. So, you know, it's sometimes a popular and, oh man, my family friends listening to this, they're, some of them are probably going to cringe and like probably shut this podcast off. And some of my friends are just going to be laughing hysterically um, <laughs> because, you know, it's a, sometimes in some weddings, I don't know, certain cultures, I don't know which, but. They, they'll steal the bride or the groom, and then all the guests have to pay like this fake ransom um, to get them back to the, the ceremony or the reception or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've heard of that. I love it, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not even a thing, which might be why this is so controversial. Our wedding is one of the most controversial sub subjects in my family, um, and it's kind of nice because it still keeps it alive. You know, People talk about our wedding even still today. Um, so what happened is my, my best friends at the time, they stole me. 
Uh, they threw me in the back of a pickup truck during our reception and drove off, you know, down this dirt road. Uh, they they tied me up, you know, wrapped duct tape like five times around my face, you know, and mouth. Um, and I had like a beard at the time, you know, so that was fun. And then they took me. This is going to sound weird, but OK, they they took me behind a warehouse. They stripped me down and they took a Sharpie and just wrote all over my body. And I'm talking I'm, I'm talking I'm talking everywhere. <laughs> they put my and these are all like my best buddies, you know, like where I'm like sort of fake struggling, you know, but I'm having a good time. I know this is just, you know, they're hazing me. Right. Um, and and they were, you know, very, very respectful. And it was obviously like a big joke, big kind of hazing uh, with some of my best buds, a final hurrah or whatever. They put my clothes back on. They throw me back in the pickup truck and they run me back to the wedding and and drop me in front of all of my uh, my my other friends and family. Now, both sides of my mom and my, my parents' families, they're a little more traditional. And long story short, it turned into this whole ordeal where like my my extended family uh, members thought that I had been like raped somehow and (laughs) and like that I had just that my best friends had just destroyed my wedding day and we went on our honeymoon and unbeknownst to us like my my best friends at the time were called over to our house and you know sat down in front of like all of my extended family and people were like crying you started a feud Oh yeah, and it got so bad, man, that um, my best friend's dad called us the day after our wedding, and he said, "Can you please come back, and from your honeymoon, and and talk to your family and settle this, and and tell us if this is how you feel? Because if so, we're so incredibly sorry." And I came back, and uh, you know, I was just like, "No, like this is it's it's a it's something you might you may not understand because I know they they all." We had a very untraditional wedding. We were like barefoot. It was outside. There was volleyball. Um, <laughs> so something they're not used to, you know, they have weddings in churches and stuff. And it's just an older, uh, an older mindset. And so long story short, to this day, it, that it lives on and some members of the family won't even talk about it. <laughs> that was a completely worthwhile aside. Cause I feel like oh, I know so much more about you because of that story. <laughs> so, all right. All right. So you, so you get married, you're, you're working a, a construction job. Um, what comes yeah, next? Yeah. And, and I, I worked this, I worked this construction job mainly because, um, I was ever since I can, you know, remember probably starting when I was 10, um, I watched like a, a discovery channel documentary on Navy SEALs. And I looked at those guys like they were gods, you know, they were the best of the best, um, the smartest, the most physically fit. And I just thought like, that is like the pinnacle of like one, what one can accomplish. And that's the kind of mindset I had. Like I wanted, I wanted to do that. And so, um, after I got married while my wife and I were dating and stuff, I always told her like, this is a dream I have. And I think I might want to pursue it one day. And after we got married, I decided to pursue that dream of, of becoming a Navy SEAL. And so I worked this this construction job, uh, which didn't take a lot. Of, it just was a lot of physical stuff, but didn't take a lot of brain power and was pretty easy going. And it allowed me to train really, really hard in the mornings and in the, the in the evenings. I probably trained like an average of three, four hours a day. Um, 
uh, because there's a lot you have you're competing. This is right around when Osama bin Laden was killed, and all of a sudden the Navy SEAL kind of brand got really, really popular, and everybody wanted to do it. So they really got strict on the rules to get in, and and the 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 bar to to get in was so much higher. And uh, so I just worked my butt off training. Eventually got a a SEAL contract. I went in and. Uh, went through true like regular Navy boot camp and stuff was away from my wife for months at a time and got into into buds that first six-month program and and ended up um, getting dropped um, I, I had a had a, an injury and 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 got dropped and and some of it too was was an opt-out I think on on my you know end I could have stayed and healed and probably picked up with another class but it would have been months and uh you know, anyways, um, ended up getting dropped from the program and, and then end up getting a, a, a medical discharge. Um, was that like a, a crushing disappointment or at the time were you like, okay, I think I'm ready to be done with this? Uh, you know, it, it was, it was both, uh, cause it, it's, it's incredibly grueling training. It's, it's really difficult. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. One of the best things, um, you know, I think I've done, there's really no experience like it. And, um, yeah, I guess when when I got pulled out from my class for being injured, and then and then just they were like, okay, it's going to be months until you know you you pick up with another class. I just thought I don't I don't want to sit around here for months, and it's this is really difficult. And so you know I I tried to go for basically another uh, spec ops job. I think it was it was EOD or rescue swimmer or something like that. And to do that, you had to opt out of the program, out of the SEAL program. And so I did that and didn't end up getting that other job either. And yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, incredibly disappointing. That was probably one of the lowest points in my life. I had worked for two years just nonstop to be able to do this. I had thought about it for years and years and years. All I wanted to do is be, you know, a Navy SEAL. And now when it came time, like, I think it was partly just bad luck and partly chickening, chickening out. Hmm. And and so there was some some guilt involved with that. And then um, luckily, you know, I ended up being able to to get out on kind of a medical discharge. So I was only in the Navy for a year. And um, I look back and... I think that that was the best thing that that could have happened because I would have been away from my wife for a long time. There's like a 90 percent crazy divorce rate with people that are especially in in spec ops. Um, and my wife and I have been able to stay together. And then that's what launched me onto my entrepreneurial journey, because right after that, I, I, I left the, the Navy. I didn't know what I was going to do for a job. I was like, OK, I'm just going to go work construction again or something. And my, one of my friends at the time, he, or, I guess he's still my friend. I don't know why I said it at the time, but one of my friends, he, he, at <laughs> he that wasn't, time, was he involved in the wedding hijinks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he was. Like, he was the, he was the brother of my best friend at the time who, who, who was involved in that. And, and he was too, actually. But, um, he, he called me up anyways and he's like, Hey man, I, I've done some, some painting, um, like painting buildings, not like a, like an artist, you know, um, I want to start a painting company. And, uh, I want you to do it with me. And I said, well, sure. What have I got to lose? And, and I think I had been working on a couple different entrepreneurial ideas at the time. I knew I wanted to start my own business eventually, but I thought I would have to get, uh, just a regular job first while I, you know, worked on, on whatever the next venture was. Um, here was an opportunity to go into business with somebody who, who had some skill sets and, and, uh, kind of balanced me out in terms of strengths and weaknesses. And I took it. I gave him a thousand dollars, which was like, uh, 
half of what we had in savings at the time. <laughs> and and with that, he bought a van. We bought some of our first equipment. And I was living in Florida at the time, moved back to Washington and joined him uh, doing that. And that was the start of my entrepreneurial journey. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that was four years ago now. And so we grew that painting company. We, we specialized in residential, commercial, and eventually really specialized in like out-of-state um, large apartment complex jobs and grew from just him and I going, you know, knocking door to door, trying to sell our, our service and painting houses by ourselves with one van to owning, you know, multiple vehicles, several thousand dollars worth of equipment. Um, we had uh, several full-time employees and and up to 30 plus like subs working for us at at our peak. And, um, and the, you know, the, the revenue went up and up and quickly learned how to uh, you know, all, all the challenges and stuff that, and, and the, the joys that come with running a business and also having a business partner. And in that same period of time, those same kind of three, four years, we started the painting company. And then we went on, we, we noticed a need in our community for a hot yoga studio. And so we, we raised funding and bought a building and remodeled the building and, and put a hot yoga studio in the building we had an extra space in that building that we were thinking of subleasing to like cricket, like the cell phone company or something was one person that approached us, but we eventually decided to turn that space into another business. So we launched a a juice bar. And so, uh, now, um, Oh, it's been a year now since I sold my portion of the painting company to him in order to start the podcast and do a few other things, but still have still retain ownership in, in the juice bar and the, the yoga studio, um, but just a phenomenal, like four, like three and a half, I should say, year period where just a lot of, you know, starting three businesses and in three different industries, a lot was going on. It was stressful, but I learned and grew like exponentially. It was incredible. So when you were, uh, when you, I always love sale, like early sales stories, when you were going door to door for your painting business, first of all, that's like, seems like a pretty rough a pretty rough, uh, sales tactic for a business like painting where it's, <laughs> it's not like an impulse buy, you know, um, what was that like? What was your sales pitch? And, and, you know, when, when you're cold calling, um, you know, and most of it, I guess we did some cold, cold calling mostly when it was a, a bigger job and we were having to kind of sell to a corporation who owned like an apartment complex. Um, and that was fun, but, but what I remember mostly is the smaller, like residential jobs that we were trying to get when we first started out. And now keep in mind, we're in an industry where it's mostly, you know, old timer is an old timer industry. And here we are, I was, he was, my business partner was 19, I think, at the time, maybe 18, even when we started. And I was 23 and, you know, we wore backwards hats and we were in our painter's clothes and stuff and just just kind of a couple ragtag kids trying to, with a big dream and a lot of work ethic, trying to make stuff happen. And we'd approach these, these people. And (laughs) I don't, I don't know, man, we just, we got a lot of jobs just from friends and family and and referrals, you know, after we did a couple and did a good job. But I definitely remember being rejected a couple of times and not having the greatest sales pitch, you know, and I'll just speak personally, like walking up to a house. I remember just being like, Hey, I noticed your house is, looking pretty terrible. (laughs) I I own a painting company and I can give you a, you know, steal of a deal for 2,500 bucks. I'll paint your house, you know, and 
that's not you know a lot for for the industry 2500 yeah. bucks but that's still a lot for somebody to spend right yep. so it's um <laughs> i don't think i landed very much jobs very many jobs with that kind of pitch <laughs> so much of it ended up being just being word of mouth you know <laughs> What, what was the transition like from, because I mean, this happened in a very short period of time, but from being a guy who does work, so a, a, basically a contractor who somebody pays you and you paint, to being someone who's managing a business and managing other people doing the work and doing the painting. I mean, I'm, you were probably still doing some as well, but just that those are such different skill sets. You know, you, you had done construction. You obviously, you grew up in, in a, you know, rural area. You were very familiar with hands-on labor. So doing painting, mm -hmm. I can see you doing, doing fine, doing really well at that. Was it a tough transition to then manage other people who are painting for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was. And, and, you know, throughout most of it, I, I can only think of a, maybe a six month time period where we my business partner and I weren't painting like at all. And it was purely just management because we had so much going on. Um, but probably, you know, the lessons learned in, in employee management and people management is, was the toughest thing and talk about an industry to, to learn in, you know, it's a lot of rough and gruff, uh, uh, personnel out there in that industry. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of cussing and yelling and, the, of... the only the only people harsher are drywall contractors. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must have had some experience, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's not. Yeah, it's in some ways I think it's actually different than say having employees at at well maybe a startup in almost any other kind of industry besides construction. Um, uh, but yeah, just just a a lot of lessons learned. I mean, I remember. Um, at one point we hired a guy and, you know, probably one of the biggest, I think business systems, I've always been a huge fan of business, uh, systems and kind of an advocate of that. And a great system to have when you're hiring hiring employees is to have a position description, um, something that basically describes the position they're taking and what all their responsibilities are and, and that, and making sure that they understand that prior to hiring them. And so big lesson learned one time we hired this guy and, uh, great guy, great painter. We hired him for more of a, an overseer manager job since he was more experienced and we wanted him to oversee some of our less experienced painters, but we didn't really tell him that. And we didn't really communicate how much responsibility he was going to have right off the bat. And this guy was not the best with patience, which with, uh, teaching other people, he just kind of expected them to keep up. And long story short, um, it just escalated to this point where he absolutely blew up at, at a guy we'd kind of put him in charge of, uh, at one of our job sites. And we came down there and he just quit right on the spot. And he said, you know, here's my address, just send me my last paycheck. And you guys suck as people, you guys suck as a company. And I hated working for you. And I'm, and, uh, <laughs> and it was, it was really like disheartening. And to top this all off, this was, um, my dad and my business partner's dad worked together in like, you know, this multi-million dollar uh, real estate investment and, and development company, right? And this happened, we were painting the basement of their building and this happened outside of their building right underneath my dad's office window. <laughs> and, and he told me he'd seen this whole thing kind of come about. And so it was super disheartening on our end, you know, just like, man, are we really that big of screw ups that, that our employees just 
hate us. They don't. And this guy was like, he was trying to find work. You know, it's not, there wasn't a lot of people, uh, painting companies, especially hiring at the time. And he just, he hated it so much. He just stormed off, wouldn't even talk to us and said, send me my last paycheck. And it's like, what are we doing wrong? And my dad just saw all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, some things can only be learned by going through them. Um, absolutely. So, so the, I mean, what was it that made you think, you know what, we've, we've done this painting business. We're doing well with this. The natural next step is a hot yoga studio. (laughs) What, what was the, the decision to open that up? Um, I'm assuming maybe you or your wife are are involved in yoga or, or how did that come about? Sure. Yeah. It was actually my business partner's idea. And his name is Landon Wilkinson, by the way. I'll just say his name because I'm talking about him so much. Um, we were really good uh, and are, still are really good friends. And uh, we just did a lot together in that short period of time. Um, it was his idea. And it, and uh, he talked to me about it. And he was automatically just, just kind of one of those. He's a, a, a visionary um, he pushes things forward and just, uh, one of the most persevering guys I know, and he just gets, gets it done. Um, I'm more of a thinker. Um, my role was usually to, he would have a great idea and we would pursue it. And, uh, you know, before we'd pursue it, I'd, I'd analyze the idea, look for, look for flaws and bring up anything that he might've, we, we, okay, we need to think about this and we'd execute it. And, you know, he'd make sure we we're moving forward. I would come behind and make sure everything was running smoothly is kind of what we had, going on. And he just saw, you know, a need for, we had one yoga studio in town and there was, they're a great studio. Um, but, but there were some things that we noticed we could do better. Um, for instance, uh, a better location. Um, we could, uh, and if you're familiar with hot yoga at all, it's, uh, basically regular yoga done in a room that's heated to about 105 degrees with, um, a lot of humidity. Um, we, we thought we could heat the room better and just do a lot of things different than how they were being done in a part of town that was closer to the kind of the target demographic for this kind of business. And, uh, so he had this hairbrain idea and his wife was also, uh, really into yoga and my wife was, was just getting into it. And we decided to just, uh, run with it and make it happen. We knew we had to build out, uh, a, a space for this kind of business. And we had the, uh, tools and the painting company. And we, you know, we could also do some construction too. We were licensed as general contractors. Uh, so we had one business that could kind of build the other business. And, um, you know, we knew we didn't want to just do painting long-term. And also, it, you know, we thought our wives can run the business and it would give, give them, uh, something to do that, that they love to do. So it's just kind of a win-win. Um, our, both of our dads actually ended up buying the building, that we now that that our company then renovated and now we rent out to or they we pay them rent and stuff so they ended up getting a great deal on a on a great commercial building at the time in a part of town that was that was growing a lot um and so yeah win-win for everybody and uh and that's how that came about business is a little over two years old now and and uh just growing fantastically we were profitable in the, the first month. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, that's really everything is that <laughs> profitability to be able to do that so quickly. So the, the podcast and the website successfuldropout.com, and, uh, the podcast is just called the successful dropout. What was the genesis of this? Did you, did you drop out of college at some point? 
Or did you skip yeah. all together? Yeah, yeah. So I guess um, I guess I skipped over that that part of the story. But when I was doing kind of the youth pastors thing in ministry right after I graduated uh, high school, I was also taking a couple college courses. And I was doing kind of half online through Liberty University, and then I was also taking um, uh, marketing uh, some marketing classes at our local community college here, and. I just kind of always knew through high school and coming up onto college that it it wasn't going to be something for me. Um, like I like I know you've described the walking into a cra- classroom and just seeing the just the you know cement brick walls and the fluorescent lights and everybody just hating their life and a teacher who's basically reciting what's in the uh, the the textbook and uh, you know a teacher teaching me about marketing. Um, who's never owned a business in her <laughs> life. Um, it just didn't make sense to me. And so I, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I didn't have a lot to think through. It was just like, at, at the time, like I said, I was, I was working at my, my church and making a, a decent salary doing that than most people my age. And so I didn't really feel the need to like, I have to get this piece of paper so I can get a good job, work there for 40 years and then retire at 60, 65 or whatever. Um, I just dropped out and I knew I would, I would make it work. And at that time I thought the military was the answer and that's what I'd be doing long-term and turns out, uh, it, it wasn't, but Did you don't regret that decision at all. When yeah. you dropped out? Yeah. I mean, mostly, mostly from my parents, I think at, at the beginning, um, it didn't, my parents, I've always been somewhat of a of a rebel, uh, a, an outlier, a contrarian. Like I, it's a good day for me when I can shatter somebody else's belief that they some somebody else's long held belief on something and just show them that, you know, the world's not as black and white as you think. You know, I I, I don't live in the black and white. I live in the gray, um, and and so that's just got the kind of person I am. And my parents knew that. And so when I told them, hey, I'm going to drop out and I don't want to complete my degree, there's a little bit of pushback for a little bit. But, um, you know, they also didn't want me to do a lot of things growing up that I ended up doing and they ended up working out. <laughs> and so um, they my parents are incredibly good at at understanding when I'm I'm serious about something and have a, a strong vision for something and they trust that I'm going to pursue it and see it through and and amid, immediately turn more to just a playing a support role and for that I'm extremely grateful because I realized that that's not the case with everybody. Yeah. What um <clears throat> when did you launch Successful Dropout? Just 2 months ago, man. Um so this is brand new. It is brand new, and you know the the response. Uh, it's a beautiful website, by the way, and I love I love what you're doing. It's it's really great stuff. Uh, thanks, thanks. You know, I, I, uh, I, I read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and that was several years back when we were doing the painting company. And ever since I read that book, it just changed the way I thought about entrepreneurship and my entrepreneurial future. And at that point, I decided I wanna I wanna do something online. And so that's what led to my decision. I sold my portion of the painting company to my to to Landon um, well, about a year ago now, and uh, wanted to start a podcast. Wanted to start an online business. And I remember my sister was also wanting to start a podcast, and she was trying to think up of names. And uh, you know, shout out to Shalan Ginger and the Entrepreneur Before Twenty Five podcast. But um, she 
was trying to think of a name and we were it was revolving around the world word successful and i said successful dropout and it was like your praxis story man <laughs> it was like as soon as i said that i just all you these thoughts like this vision just flooded into my head and i was like that's just that totally makes sense and i got online really quick i was like is anybody else you know doing this or anything similar and i couldn't find anything i couldn't find one single authority online that their, whatever platform they were using, it was 100% dedicated to helping people succeed in business and in life without a college degree. Mm. And, uh, you know, at least not anybody that was being super vocal about it. And it just confirmed this, you know. And so it took me like a, a month or two to get my first few interviews done and, and launch the podcast and the website. Um, but I did two months ago, and the response has been um, amazing. And, and uh, keep in mind, I'm still learning a lot man, I, less than a year ago today, I knew nothing about WordPress. I knew nothing about how to build a WordPress site. I was, I was dark on social media for the longest time because of, of what I was doing in the, in the Navy. And so just knew nothing. So it's been an incredible learning experience. And it's just so clear that there's a, a huge audience out there just starving for this kind of content. You know, this is one of the things that this comes up as a theme with almost every guest that I've had on this show, which is the speed at which you can learn something when the incentives are there. Oh yeah. You know, mm. I mean, you, you didn't know anything about WordPress or social or podcasting. And once you had an interest and an incentive in making it succeed, you were able to learn it so quick. You don't need to spend years and years prepping. You just, you can basically completely ignore WordPress until it's valuable for you to learn. And then you can learn it in a really relatively mm. quick amount of time, you know? Yeah. And Isaac, I call that just in time learning. And I'm sure you've heard the term before. Um, I just talked about on my podcast last week, the difference between just in time learning and just in case learning. And it's, Ooh, I what, like that. I think it's the key to why you see some people um, that are so efficient and so, uh, successful so quickly. And it's because I think they've mastered the art. And, and this is mostly entrepreneurs who do this of just in time learning. And what I mean by that is when you learn something, it's always hundred percent, always in the context of accomplishing a goal you've set for yourself or, or turning a, a vision you've set for yourself into reality. It's, it's moving forward. And the people that know how to do this really well, they know how to balance learning with taking action and then learning again in order to take more action. And you'll find in, in high schools and colleges, most of what they teach is it's just in case learning. You'll need to learn this just in case. I mean, for those of you listening, try to think about uh, a biology, uh, Try you know, how much do you remember about biology from high school, for instance? Um, I don't remember a thing, unless, of course, if you're a biologist or you're in the medical, or you know, you're a scientist or something, you probably remember something, but, but I don't remember anything about that in high school. I could, some of the tests that I aced back in high school, I'd probably absolutely fail now. Um, but you know, then think about something that you had to learn, um, in order to take the next step and do something like a hobby or, or, or to, uh, say you're, you have to debate somebody or teach somebody something. Um, think about something you learned in order to do that thing and, you know, I can guarantee you, you've probably retained more information there and it's been more efficient with your, your time and, and probably your money. The difference between the, you know, the marketplace and the school setting, you know, in the marketplace, it's like a tangible, discrete 
outcome that you either produce or you don't, and it's either valuable or it's not, versus that here's a whole bunch of theory that maybe will be useful. You better learn it all. I mean, you think about you know the way that you establish expertise in the schooling system. It's by having the all sorts of answers about a huge number of things in the market, it's by delivering value. So if I went to you and said, and this is why like the whole test system, whatever, if I went to you and said, Hey, can you fix my, my car engine? And if you said to me, uh, yeah, give me, give me a week (laughs) and I will come back and I will take a multiple choice test on car engines and I'll answer 80% correctly. And that will prove that I know how to fix your car. engine. I'd be like, what? Versus someone who just said, oh, yeah, I, I've worked on car engines before. Let me take a look. And, you know, the difference, like if I said to you, you've got to fix this engine, that's a discrete outcome. So you're going to figure out exactly what you need to know and discard the rest. Versus if I said you're about to take a test on how to fix an engine, you better learn everything just oh, in yeah. case. You know, the absurd inefficiency of that style of learning. Absolutely, man. You hit it on the head. So, so the successful dropout you've done, uh, how many – episodes of the podcast have gone live now? Uh, I think it's 12. That's a maybe? lot for just having launched. Yeah. Um, well, and I should say it, it's double that actually it's 12 episodes that have, cause I do two a week. Um, and then once a week, uh, is when I do, you know, anywhere from kind of 30 minutes to more like an hour interview with a, a successful entrepreneur who dropped out to pursue their idea or business. Uh, and that gets released on Mondays. And then on Fridays, I have a, a episode that I call Fast Advice Fridays, which is um, usually under 15 minutes, where it's usually just me um, sharing my thoughts or ranting about something for the week. So, what, Which of those, uh, if you have enough uh, sort of data to, to say, are, does one of those formats um, – do more, do, you know, gain more listeners than the other? Yeah, it's definitely the interviews. And, uh, I think a lot of that is I'm, I've been wrestling with the idea whether I should change it from, you know, fast advice Fridays and launching on Fridays to maybe midweek or something. Cause I think maybe a lot of people get distracted doing whatever they're doing for the weekend and don't want to listen to podcasts, but could be wrong. But you know, I, I just, I've been able, had the pleasure to interview some amazing people on the show and they've just shared such incredible, incredible knowledge and stories about about dropping out, why they dropped out and how they became successful. I think people just love to listen to that more than they love to hear me uh, rant and rave about something. There's so much. I mean, there's just so much hunger because there's so many people who are unhappy in the classroom and want to drop out. And just to be able to say it's not just Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs and these mm-hmm. occasional genius outliers that can drop out and succeed. Like it's everywhere. There's tons of evidence. Just having building that, you know, week after week, here's another person, here's another person. I can absolutely see people being really hungry, hungry for that. What, what kind of uh, responses and feedback have you gotten? Um, mostly, mostly great stuff. You know, I get a lot of, uh, the majority of the listeners are still in college and they're trying to make that decision on whether to drop out or not. And so they're just hungry to hear from other people that have already been down that path and what their journey was like and story was like. Um, and then they're just asking, they they ask me pretty basic questions. I mean, one that I get a lot is what do I do about my parents? Um, and so I, I released an episode on that kind of giving a, a foolproof plan on how to talk to your parents and get them to switch their, their, their mindset and actually support you dropping out. And, uh, 
So I'm sure, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who have that same question. What's the name of that episode? If they want to go look that up, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes as well. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at it right here. So it's, yeah, so it's the Fast Advice Fridays. It's how to convince your parents to support you dropping out of school. And Isaac, I'll just shoot you a link to it and then you can put that in, in the show notes. But it's just a short episode and and uh, it's got some really, it's kind of a three-step strategy for doing that really valuable stuff. Oh, I love it. So what's what's on the horizon for you? What's next? Are you, uh, do you have goals ahead or are you kind of a seat of the pants type of a guy? Um, yeah, you know, it's, I was just talking to my, my wife about this yesterday. We're kind of dreaming about our, our long-term vision. It was, it was my birthday yesterday and our anniversary coming up this weekend. And so we're taking off for a bit and, uh, it'll give us a chance to recreate the, uh, the, the wedding, uh, (laughs) situation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably not, but, (laughs) but it will give us a chance to, to kind of dream about the future. And now that I'm a couple months into this and been able to, just see the the response, which has been pretty phenomenal and based off of just the growth trajectory of the last couple of months, being able to kind of see where this could head. You know, I think I think I'm developing a pretty big vision for successful dropout. And that is right now, I I really want to create beyond the podcast, even just a, an authority site on on how to succeed without a college degree. And I want to connect people to to programs like Praxis, which is just such a phenomenal, um, you know, alternative to college, um, to programs like UnCollege and their gap year, um, make school to a lot of, you know, to you, Isaac, to a lot of these bloggers who are just on the, you know, they're educational futurists and they're on kind of the cutting edge uh, and thought leaders in this arena. And uh, right now I just, I see just a massive amount of college students who are unhappy with college and they're just doing it because it's what you're supposed to do. And it's this cult of college mindset. And they're they're Googling it. Like, what happens if I drop out? Should I drop out? What kind of person should drop out? Should I drop out and start a business? They're Googling this stuff. And, and they're not finding a central kind of authority that's going to give them all the answers and, and direct them based on who they are and what they need and what they're interested in to all these other resources that exist. There's nothing like that out there right now. And I'm finding myself kind of at, at the, you know, head of the pack looking around like, I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to build this. There's a, there's a need out there. So that's kind of where my thoughts are and, and what I see is the longer term vision for successful dropout, really just shaking up the, <laughs> the, the mindset um, and uh, kind of just leading sort of a, a revolution. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, grab the pitchforks. We're with you. Um, <laughs> what are you, uh, what are you reading? What are you listening to lately? What, what, what do you got on the, on the docket that you're currently, uh, enjoying or that you have, uh, on a list of things you want to get into? Yeah, let me, I'm looking at my audible account really quick. Um, I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and so I'm reading his book, ask Gary V. Um, such a, such a, a thought leader and just a guy who likes to shake things up as, as do I. So I really relate with that. Um, you know, there's a book that I, I literally, I think I've listened to it probably a hundred times. Um, and it's really easy to, cause it's like an hour long, but it's as a man thinketh by James Allen. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. It's, it's an older book, but it's just, 
I just I press play and I listen to it as I'm like making breakfast in the morning because it's all about just the concept that what you think about, what you focus on, that's what manifests in your life. And and I know that that probably most everybody listening has heard that before, but you forget it. Um, when you get just caught up in the day to day of whatever you're doing, you forget that that simple concept. Yet it's it's one of the most powerful concepts out there. I think that what you focus on and think about and kind of affirm to yourself, that's what you get. If you say, you know, I'm not going to be success, thinking you're not going to be successful, or if you're constantly saying like I'm going to be successful, like wealth flows to me, like I'm going to I'm creating something great, just stuff like that. Um, that's such a, a such a powerful concept. I actually have not read that book. I'm very familiar with it. My my uh, our education director, my good friend T.K. Coleman, um, I know has read it. I'm, I'm sure probably many times. But but I did read recently, finally, um, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, which is mm-hmm. you know sort of an exploration I've, into successful people who have who have used similar kind of thought patterns. Yeah, it's that's that's the Bible right there. I would highly recommend that book as well. So. Uh, Kylan, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, besides successfuldropout.com, where should people find you? Um, I'm pretty active on Snapchat. Uh, my Snapchat is just, it's my first and last name. Um, so K-Y-L-O-N-G-I-E-N-G-E-R. And um, and again, if you go to successfuldropout.com, there's, uh, I guess, Kylan at successfuldropout.com is, is a great email address to get a hold of me. And uh, if you listen to my podcast, I'm constantly, I, I even give out my personal phone number. You know, I, <laughs> I want people to contact me, to ask me questions. I love, love talking. That's talking a, to that's a Gary Vee thing, isn't it? Doesn't he do that? Uh, no, I, I think I stole that from Nathan Ladka, actually. He was my first guest on the show. Oh, nice. And he gives out his personal phone number every once in a while. I just thought that, like, I was like, that's a ballsy move, man. Oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I hate phone calls too much. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Kylan Ginger, did I get it right? You did. Great All job. right. Kylan Ginger, this has been absolutely awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Everybody go check out SuccessfulDropout.com and uh, follow the fast rising trajectory of Kylan. Hey, this was awesome. Have a great day, man. Thanks, Isaac. Hey, if you're a fan of the show, do me a huge favor. Go to iTunes, give it a rating or review. A rating is only a simple click of a button, or if you're on your phone, a tap of a finger. And it will help people find the show a lot easier. And if you have a little extra time, write a review. What you think about the show? Honest opinion. That stuff goes a long way in giving more exposure to the podcast. What do you get out of all of it? You get the pleasure of knowing that as more people start listening, you get to say, I was there first. 